be interesting that he, he opened up with that because the first sentence I have here is that you've been saved into family. And um, that can be a foreign concept for, for a lot of people because um, the word also says that as we come to him, we come out of uh, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And there's like quite a contrast of kingdoms. I mean, dark and light, or light and dark, or black and white, are opposites. And so, coming into the kingdom of light, as opposed to being in the kingdom of darkness, there's obviously going to be some, some adjustments <laughs> to be made. In that, um, even in coming into a family, I don't know, we were talking about marriages as well, funny enough, I was also thinking about marriages. When you, when you come in, from, from a husband, he's brought up in a certain family, and the wife is brought up in a certain family. I know I've also been married for 15 years now, and there's 15 years down the line, there's still differences in our upbringing. <laughs> and a lot of conflict comes from different just ways we were brought up and different understandings, different experiences, and different ways things were actually that shaped us. You are smiling and nodding there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something we all have in common. Whether we're in ma marriage or we're in any kind of a relationship, there is going to be different understandings, different ways of communicating. And it comes down to even um, the broader term is cultures. And that's what I wanted to bring out. Just from the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, there are going to be different cultures. And the kingdom of light is very different to what most of us would have been brought up into as even if you've been brought up in a good home who's kind and generous and all these things, but until you are actually made aware of what the kingdom of light is, you can't actually understand it. It's a different point of reference. It's, it's foreign. You can have a preach, this is what the kingdom of God is, like John shared an amazing preach last week. I really enjoyed hearing just his experience of what it was for him personally to go from even from a place of um, being saved in his mind and then having to make controversial decisions because of that, that sense of, I don't understand this. Something about this picture doesn't make sense. I've heard the preach. I've responded to the preach or the word from God, but yet something about where he was and where he felt he should be was there was this big void. And we can often feel in life, we can have this longingness, oh, where's my purpose, where's my, what, you know, what am I here for? And, and it can be quite a point, like a low in life when you start pondering, this is, life is so busy and, you know, you can get wrapped up in a lot of things that seem important, but then you have this hole inside of you unless you actually know what it is that's of value. What it is that's this culture that you've been saved into. You may be here today and you don't even know what this kingdom of light is. You may have heard about it. You may have, someone might have told you about Jesus, but it seemed just like some, um, you know, happy thought for someone. And it really doesn't mean much to me. But so if you are there today, I'm going to be sharing a bit, little bit about what the kingdom of God is today. It's not the main topic, but it is, you're going to pick up something 
of what the culture looks like about living in the kingdom of light. We can act like the culture. We can put on the culture. But there's always going to be an element of religion in your actions if you don't actually come to the place of understanding what it is. Why? Do we, John was sharing the other last week about at some point he sold his house, sold up everything, and he went after this that he was longing for with, in a sense of just being blind, actually, of where to go, how to do it. But as God led him from that point, he's got the testimony today actually going, hang on, I've actually grasped what the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of light is. And there are certain decisions that are easy for me now, certain ways of doing things that have become second nature to me now because I've understood it. And just as I was reading in Matthew, um, just the story of, of Peter. And um, I know Jesus called out 12 disciples in the beginning. When he called them out, they were in the world. They were doing things of the world. They may have had a sense of understanding from, you know, the, the culture of the time was to learn the scriptures. This culture of the time was to, you know, in a sense, go through certain motions of, and, and but it was law. You know, if you, if you didn't, if you weren't good enough, then you go on to, to do your father's business. If you were good enough, maybe we can take you a bit more down the road of, understanding and you become you know someone of some kind of a teacher or but when they when they were initially called they were pretty thick in the culture of what they believed was to happen when Jesus called them they didn't initially even understand what they were doing they didn't understand this person Jesus okay he, he, there's something about him that's attracting me something about him is actually going Yes, I should do this. But it was quite a journey of watching Jesus and hearing him and then watching him and like, okay, no, hearing him, no, but that doesn't really fit into what I thought should be important, what I thought um, he would do, you know, like certain things like should we feed the 4,000, 5,000, surely they should have been prepared. Ach, just let's just send them away. Come, this is, you've done enough. Jesus said, well, 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 in actions, I'm now going to say, no, you guys need to, um, you know, and it was practical hearing and seeing, hearing and seeing and experiencing that then eventually when Jesus asked the question to the disciples, who do you say I am? There was a, like, even in reading, I might be completely wrong. So this is my thoughts. It's almost sound like, Peter responded in the moment. Something sunk, like dropped in that moment going, you're the Christ. You know, I've been following you. I've been seeing. And the penny dropped. Boop. Whether it was leading up maybe a bit of half a penny, then the whole penny. But the point is, something in that moment of him acknowledging him was seeing Jesus in action, hearing Jesus, and then actually responding to him and, and, and to the point where you realize, hang on, Jesus is the Christ. I don't think he saw Jesus necessarily 
still in the picture of what 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 Jesus was there for. I mean, I think they had a really good expectation, big expectation that he was there to come and take over and like you know finally get rid of their enemies and all that kind of thing. So the, the maybe the motive was more of yeah, we are, we finally joined the right army. Yeah, this guy is going to be the guy. But there was a sense of acknowledgement. But then from that point on, Jesus actually starts more intentionally discipling uh, and and um from all the way from Matthew 16 to 18 there's immediately when when he recognizes Jesus there's a there's a blessing that comes that he, that he says blessed are you Peter because this hasn't been re- revealed to you by man I'm just paraphrasing you guys can it's from Matthew 16 to 18, I'm just going to um, briefly go over the things that happen. Firstly, he blesses him. And, and it's actually affirming him that he heard God, which is quite a crucial part in our walk with God, is actually being able to start hearing his voice. And he blessed him, but then immediately rebukes him. After that, like a paragraph later, for, for basically getting in the way of what God had for Jesus. Which, and, and he says, set your mind on the things of God. So, it's actually quite amazing to see how God, how Jesus starts discipling, discipling him. And a few passages later, it's, it, he, he speaks to Peter and says, deny yourself and your life and just follow me. A bit later, Jesus is revealed to Peter as the Son of God and affirmed when he's the transfiguration, they go up and there's this amazing moment where then God actually speaks over Jesus in a loud voice saying, this is my Son, which then affirms again. And then a bit later on, God or Jesus was speaking to Peter and says, actually, I want to quickly read that because it was quite a very casual um, it's Matthew, Matthew 17, verse 24. Sorry, I didn't give you this, but I'm, I, you don't have to go there. When they came to Capernaum, the tax collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? How's that? What do you think? Challenging his, his, his way of thinking. From whom, whom do you, uh, from whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Can you imagine that actually happening? I must say, our battle. I mean, we, we witness stuff all the time, but imagine you, hey, what do you say, Peter? Should, should you know, should we pay... Should sons have to pay? 
No, I don't think so. Oh, but just to, so they don't get offended, let's just go and catch a fish and you'll have your tax. I mean, you can imagine we pay a lot of tax and they were being heavily taxed. Imagine if God, you went fish, Jesus said, no, go dig a hole in the, in the field and you'll find your, your, your money there. It's just, it's just, just as big a chance, even probably more of a chance that it'll be in a field than in a fish's mouth. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you ever caught a fish with, with, with uh, coins in its mouth. I, I haven't. I would be fishing pretty much all the time, I think. <laughs> but it was just affirming. God just saying, we're not from this kingdom. We're not actually um, needing to do this, but let's just do it. I mean, God's our, uh, it's just affirming God's provision over his life, saying, don't worry about that. And then they asked Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? A bit later. And then uh, Jesus responds, just humble yourself like a child. If you don't humble yourself like a child, the kingdom of God is not yours to be, to be entered into. It's just like, whoa. Like, all of these things are not the culture that they were thinking of. They were thinking of rising up as, an, as a nation, taking over, and yet all of these things is humility. And pay the money that you don't want to pay. Deny yourself. And then in, this, in between, it's just these affirmations of who God is, who Jesus is, and who, um, you know, this kingdom that they've been brought into. And then a bit later on, they, it was um, Jesus was then chatting, just also fairly um, not specifically to someone, just talking about what we do when brothers sin against us. And you can, and I can again see Peter's mind ticking while he's talking about this. I'm pretty sure he had someone in mind when this parable was said. Like, oh, what about? John, you know, yes. I need to, I need to, you know, listen to this carefully. Or, you know, someone in his life that had offended him, he's like, oh, no, okay, now I can finally know how to sort this out. But then he's not quite satisfied, so he asked the question, how many times should we forgive? And then Jesus, and then he says seven times, because that was the custom, you know, seven times seemed to be a good number. To, but Jesus, again, says, no, not seven, 77 times. And then this parable or this story that Jesus told to me is extremely significant because he likens it to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is what... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were getting my attention. The kingdom of heaven, that has become very important to us as believers because that is where we've gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So this is now of utmost importance because Jesus didn't just say, oh, yeah, no, and, and chat, chat, chat. No, he, he made a significant statement before he said that. He says, let's, let's actually read it together. It's Matthew 18, verse 24. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their masters all that had taken place. Then his master um, then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow, fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so also, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I find that passage, it's a very common, well, it's, it's, it's spoken about a lot, and, and we can quite easily lose the impact, the severity of what this means to Jesus. He took time to make sure there was no misunderstandings. <laughs> like a lot of stuff in Scripture, you can, not a lot, but there are certain things that are permissible but not beneficial kind of categories. But this is the kingdom of heaven can be compared to. And so, I find with, with forgiveness, this is kind of the heart of what I wanted to share today. So we can maybe slow down the anticipation of what's to come. I would like us to, to just let this parable actually begin to sink into our hearts because I find with forgiveness of other people, when we, when we are to forgive other people, we're quite lenient on ourselves because uh, even in preparing this preach over the last while, I've randomly asked people or heard what people had to say about whether or not it's difficult to forgive. And generally, we can be quite lenient on ourselves. Going, oh, no, for me, it's really not a problem. I mean, uh, this other guy, he, he battles with it, yeah. And, um, um, but, you know, he's getting there. He's getting there. Immediately, it's deflected to that, to that other guy, you know. But I, I, <laughs> what does it look like? To, un- to, be, to live in unforgiveness. Because I feel like this passage is applicable to everyone here. And not just a little bit applicable, or it used to be applicable. The nature, our nature, is loves to, self, to, to justify our actions. It loves to justify things that we don't particularly like about ourselves. And, and one of the things is just this thing of holding a record of wrongs, counting sins against you, like the... That was what Simon, or sorry, Peter just wanted out of this conversation. 
in the beginning. Or it's just how many, give me a number. Then I can um, count to that because this guy, is, yeah, this guy, you must know this guy. He, he sins big time against me all the time. But if I can just know what the number is, I know now how to deal with it. You just told me before this, then you can just start taking these guys down because this is enough. And I'm so glad you brought this topic up. Is kind of the, is the, our, our heart is generally to get a bit of justice for things done against us. And we love not being actually in the wrong when we do that. You know, there's got to be a, a method to it. And I, I, even in prepping this preach, I've just, the, the prayer I've been praying over, Lord, just purify my heart. Just purify my heart because my heart is deceitful and the way I see things, the culture that I, I'm from, the kingdom of darkness, is so ingrained in me when it comes to forgiveness because I can justify it. If he did it to me, or if he just said it to me differently, you know, if that guy just said that thing to me differently, it, it would have been a different story, you know, then I could have taken it. But hang on, <laughs> there I'm holding it already. In marriage, we were talking about marriages earlier. In relationships, how easy is it to anticipate something from someone that you knew they were going to do, and it irritates you? Yeah, they're doing it again. Okay, now that's the 10th time you've done that this week. Let's talk about this now. You know, but now you shouldn't have talked, brought it up the 10th time. You should have dealt with your own heart the first time. You should have dealt with it the first time. The, the fact that you've counted to 10 means you are still counting. <laughs> it's laughable, and it's, and, and it's laughable because we can all identify with it. We can all identify it, but it's not the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of God that we are counting by. The standard that Jesus responded to is like, hang on. You're asking me how many times you must count, but I want to tell you a story about how bad you are behaving right now. <laughs> That's effectively what it comes down to. We all know our kids, how the blame game happens. and It's like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> you know, it's very easy to make your side of the story a lot sound a lot better. In marriages in particular, I mean, it applies to friendships. That guy should have done this for me. I was sick and they just didn't care about me. Okay, it's not, I'll forgive. That's fine. That's fine, you know. But next time, in the back of your head, you're going, don't ask me to bring you supper next time you're sick. You know, it just happens in the back of your head. Um, it can happen in between father-son relationships, mother you know, between your, your, your parents, basically, and daughters towards their um, sibling issues or, you know, uh, leadership. Often in leadership. Because they don't understand what I'm going through right now. <laughs> you know, why are they asking this of me? Or There are a lot of offenses and accounts that you can tally up when it comes to that relationship. But actually... That, that thinking, that thought process is not of the kingdom of God. It says at the, at the bottom here that so also, in, in verse 35, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And sin or unforgiveness in your heart 
has the tendency to grow. It has the tendency to change the posture of your heart, like we were talking about earlier in the meeting. So, why is it so difficult to easily forgive or to, to stop counting? It's a question I'd like to, to navigate. Because often, like I mentioned before, it's, it's what if they do it again? What if they hurt me like they hurt me again after they did, I forgiven them with the, you know, this amazing grace I've shown? What if they do it again? What, and, they, and they always do it. It's a, it's a thing. It's like, no, this guy always does that to me. I'm not going to have anything to do with that guy anymore. Or they knew they were doing it. And they still did it. No, 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 that's it. I've written them off. It's no good. Or they didn't apologize. Or, the, you know, the tone wasn't right. <laughs> the method, the, hum, the humility wasn't there for me. And I don't quite, I'm not feeling it. Try again tomorrow. And maybe we can work with it. <laughs> There's some touchy points here. I, I, like I say, prepping this preach in my own heart. Going, yeah, okay. There's a lot of the kingdom of darkness still lurking. And we, we need to hear what the kingdom of light is like regularly. We need to keep hearing it and opening our hearts to it. And when, especially when we've got an issue, we need to allow the kingdom of light and the words that we hear, like in this parable, that it's not a small thing. We've, the kingdom of light is what we've been called into. That is an eternal kingdom. In, the, in Romans 3.22, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But through the blood, this is not that scripture, but, but through the blood of Jesus, we've actually been able to be restored into sonship. We've been, we were orphans. And yet God has brought, made a way for us to walk freely before him, to come into his presence today. I mean, what a sense of his presence. What a sense of his, him speaking, going, guys, don't forget intimacy. Don't forget intimacy. Let's prioritize that in our lives. And intimacy doesn't work well when there's unforgiveness. How often um, do you avoid someone when you've got something just lurking in the back of your head? It's, it's, it separates. In uh, Psalms 32, verse 1 to 2, uh, that whole chapter, actually, I, love, I was going to read the whole thing, but I, you guys will have to do it um, yourself. It says, Blessed are the forgiven. It's like the, I find that the biggest reason why forgiving others can be a challenge is when we lose sight of what has been done for us. It's, it's not just like this, this, par this parable was quite explicit in terms of what was going to happen to this guy. He was going to have his family sold off. It wasn't just him. It was like, it was deep stuff that was going to happen. His wife and his children, and yet he still found it right in his mind and his heart to hold something against someone else. So when we have a picture of eternity, 
I love thinking about eternity because it, it brings things into perspective. It brings things that are, are big in our heads now going, no, this has to be right. This has to be sorted out. I need this. I need that. To a thing of, whoa, eternity. Like um, something that John also touched on last week. Is it an eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that's going to last forever. And yet we still want to be um, fickle about what happens here. But the kingdom of God, the foundation of the kingdom of God, or the foundation of the good news, is forgiveness. We've gained access to the Father. Because he chose to forgive us. It's the foundation of who we're representing as Christians. Going, I've got this good news. I've got this good news that Jesus could have sent me off to eternal damnation and hell. But he has brought me to a place where I can receive freedom and walk in that freedom. And actually then forgive those that do wrong against me as a representative. Representative. It was the water. It wasn't my pronunciation. It says, seek first my kingdom and his righteousness. And then all the other stuff gets added to that. And it's what Jesus was installing in Peter and the other disciples. But I notice it more in the passages I've mentioned now, specifically with Peter, installing what it is to come into the kingdom of light, what it is to be my disciples. It's something of forgiving from the heart, not counting. It's a thing of God is your sons and daughters of the king. You've got heirship, but yet don't think that is a reason to bring um, um, offense to people around you. Um, in Matthew uh, 3, verse 8, 10, there's only some scriptures I gave to you. I don't know if I gave you this one. No, I didn't. It says, bear fruit. Jesus addresses the, the, the Pharisees who came and witnessed what Jesus was doing in the pharisaical way of righteousness. You know, they are the representative of, of the truth in the time. And they came. And Jesus turns to them and says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It says that, yeah, I'm paraphrasing again, but it says the axe is already at the roots. Root of the trees. Bear fruit, um, anything that's not bearing good fruit is going to get cut down and chuck, chucked into the fire. And that is, if you, if you had to think of the time they were living in, did I get it right? Yeah. The, in the time that they were living, we are the church of the time, we're representing what we believe to be the truth. And Jesus spoke to the people representing the truth in those days. <laughs> the thing that came out of his mouth was, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And there's a, there's a continual thing. Sometimes we get to this false illusion that we get saved, and then we're not so bad anymore, so now we can, you know, just find our way. But actually, there's a heart that's going, whoa, God, I'm still very sinful. <laughs> I'm not a, I wasn't a sinner. I'm still a sinner, but the difference is now I'm forgiven. 
when I come to Jesus and actually going, God, would you come and forgive me because I am still of the kingdom of darkness in my mind, in my culture, but yet in you I can find forgiveness. In you I can forgive. But if we try and do it out of a place of our, own, of our old culture, we, we undermine the very salvation that we are trusting in and, 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 and believing in. In um, Matthew 6.14 as well, it says, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, it's just saying again, that if you forgive, my Father in heaven will forgive you. It's like something that Jesus labored over and over again, just So, the question is, are we still counting sins? Are we still actually telling up things that are held against us? Or is it the wonder of what the cross achieved, our foundation that we actually look at things from, the view that we see things? Is it actually, is the revelation of what Christ did for us still relevant to us today? Because we are the people of God and because we are the church doesn't mean we're representing Him. In the workplace, in our marriages, in our families, we can have an incredible life from the outside, but so did the Pharisees. They looked like the bee's knees in terms of, if anyone's going to heaven, it's these guys. They are keeping the law to a T. But when we move away from the law, like Peter was counting, that was what he believed the standard was. He missed the heart of what Jesus was calling them to do. And so the culture of the kingdom of heaven is forgiveness. Jesus showed us this by the way he lived. Even in dying, he still, while he's busy dying, he's busy forgiving sins on the cross next to him. <laughs> it's just it's profound, the, the, the demonstration of the, of, of the way we should be seeing things and the way we should desire to see things is um, John uh, mentioned the scripture last week, but I wanted to just actually close what I'm feeling to share w with the scripture. It's 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 9. There should be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filling with glory, 
obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls.